G'day, my name's Martin Murray and you're listening to the In The Paddock podcast, where we talk all things farming. Welcome to today's podcast. So today we're doing something a little bit different. We don't have anyone to interview. Uh, We're not doing a quick tip on agronomy or uh, a bit of a look at cropping, farming, farm production, that sort of thing. What we're going to do instead is we're just going to take a little uh, trip into the history books and uh, talk about a, uh, a bit of a story from from history that uh, covers off on the importance of transparency in grain markets and uh, how you need fair and equal access to information for a market to work effectively. And we're going to do that by looking at the Great Grain Robbery of 1972. So let me set the scene here a bit. It's 1972, July... Europe is in its second year of drought. Uh, The Cold War is raging on, east and west, nutting it out, fighting over ideology. But even with those barriers up, there's still trade that goes on between the USSR and the USA, along with the rest of the Western world. And it's fairly common for the USSR to buy a bit of grain here and there just to top up their own stocks. Their agricultural policy is not the greatest. I've got traps like uh, Chofirm Lysenko. He's running around uh, mixing agronomy with ideology. And spoiler alert, that does not work out. Uh, Plants are plants, not red-blooded communists. And on top of that, we're still a couple of weeks away from the launch of Landsat 1. So Landsat 1 was the predecessor to the current Landsat satellite network. If you've ever gone on SATA map or any other imagery services which uh, show you all your cropping NDVIs, Landsat 1 was the first of these to be launched and it was launched back on the 24th of July, 1972. So that's the situation. The Russians don't have much of a crop. They've really got no crop at all. They can't get it out of Europe because they don't have much of a crop either. And there isn't uh, any imagery technology, no information to really know, uh, you know, what's going on behind the Iron Curtain, what their crops are like and what the markets are like. Sure, the USA's got spy planes and all that sort of thing flying over there, but they're looking at missile sites. They're not checking out wheat paddocks. So what did the Russians want to do about this? Well, they couldn't just go over to the States or Australia or anywhere else and uh, say, you know, we need to order 10 million tonnes of wheat, which was their shortfall, because that would have sent the global uh, markets into um, into panic. That would have really just jammed up the price of wheat globally. And uh, spoiler alert, that's what it did when all the dust settled. But um, just to put that into perspective... Say the Australian crop, normally the Australian crop is a 21 million tonne wheat crop. So effectively the Russians needed to import uh, about half the Australian wheat crop in an ordinary year. And uh, I don't actually know what the Australian wheat crop was back in the 70s, but it still would have been a significant amount. So what the fellas did from the USSR was they went over to the States and they arranged meetings with a a various group of... uh, grain merchants and uh, government officials and knocked on the door and said look you know it's it's been a bit of a rough year as you know you, you've seen what the conditions are like in Europe we're a little bit better but you know we're not we're not quite uh, going swell we just need a, 
a little bit of wheat to feed our uh, stock, uh, keep our livestock going. And um, so they, they just bought little parcel after little parcel after little parcel at the market rate. You know, there weren't any favours being done, but they just kept buying all these all these small amounts of wheat. And then eventually it sort of clicked. All these deals were done, the contracts were signed, and as the merchants went to book the ships to send the grain back to Russia, they worked out that, hang on, all these ships have been booked up, they're all going to Russia, they, uh, they must have needed a bit more wheat than they thought. And so they looked around and they, they worked out that, yeah, overall the, the Russians had bought 10 million tonnes of grain out of uh, the USA and just absolutely depleted global stocks. All these different groups that had their little bit of uh, grain sold it off to the Russian market thinking that, you know, they were just selling off a little bit here. Uh, it wasn't going to affect the global stocks that much, which, uh, you know, doesn't affect the global price. So they all thought they were getting a pretty good deal. But at the end of the day, it was the Soviet Union that got away with an absolute steal. Uh, got the grain for well under what their market value should have been. And so therefore, that's why this is referred to as the Great Grain Robbery. So in the end, the USSR was able to make off with a billion dollars worth of grain, 10 million tonnes total from a range of countries, mainly the USA, but also a bit from France, Canada and Australia, and were able to secure their own wheat supply without triggering any sort of panic as to the, the stocks of the, the global level uh, by buying small little packets from each individual buyer, telling them that they were the, the chosen buyer, the ones that the USSR wanted to deal with, knowing that they wouldn't be talking to their competitors, uh, they were able to just make off with an absolute monster in wheat. And then, of course, the, uh, the Landsat satellite launched uh, a few weeks after all these deals were done, I don't know if that's um, that's purely, that's probably just purely coincidental, but had that have launched earlier, they would have known the state of the Russian wheat crop. Uh, the global grain markets, globally, they also would have known. They wouldn't have been able just to pick up on the, uh, on the Rus- state of the Russian crop, but also the Australian crop, the South American crop, the European crop, uh, all these countries that are actually a bit more open with information and would have been able to work out that, there wasn't as much wheat in the system as everyone believed and would have been able to get a much better price for it. And in the aftermath of all this deal coming to light, global food prices rose by about 30% and uh, some places even up to 50%. In the UK, they reckon actually the average price for a loaf of bread increased 87% just based on the fallout of that particular deal. And it really drove investment into things like the Landsat uh, satellite system and being able to monitor global crops uh, from pretty well anywhere in the world. Now, information is extremely freely available. Uh, all the merchants, you know, they all have, they've probably got, well, they, they would have more analysts than traders pouring over weather reports, satellite data, weather predictions all sorts of things, trying to get an indication of what the global market is going to do and and work out the best guess there. Your average farmer, you know, probably doesn't have time to go through all that detail, but they can certainly 
have access to it. Uh, you know, there's I don't know any of the services off the name of my head, but there'd be various services out there that, that are able to give you that sort of information as a farmer. So all that information that's out there just allows us to set a much more accurate and a much fairer global grain price. So everybody knows in the world, you know, what the price would be based on the conditions that are out there. Although the, uh, the, the downside of that is at the moment is personally, I feel like at times just looking at the difference between the Australian price and the international price that um, we are being robbed here and uh, we can see it, it at full, uh, at real time uh, as it happens. But again, as I explained in a previous uh, Wednesday Tech Talk, war and wheat, uh, the reason why uh, the Australian price is so low is just because we have so much grain in the country at the moment and uh, our port facilities are extremely limited. Uh, we've had record production two years in a row and there's a fair chance looking at the weather forecast out there that if we can get enough fertiliser to actually grow a crop uh, that we'll be looking at a third record crop in a row and uh, the the port facilities and the, the systems, the grain handlers are just busting at the seams. There's that much grain stashed around the place that uh, we just cannot physically handle at all. So um, I guess having too much grain is a, is a good problem to have, but it's still a problem if we can't cash in at the global market. Anyway, I hope you liked that. Uh, as I said, it was something a bit different, a bit of a cocky's history lesson, I guess, the Great Grain Robbery of 1972. But basically, that is, um, that is what happened. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, history doesn't repeat itself. Anyway, let me know if you enjoy this style of episode. It's, it's not the most well-researched. It's not really scripted. I'm just running off a couple of notes that I've got in front of me. And um, hopefully you, uh, you like it. Um, yeah, because I'd be keen to cover Lysenko. He's an interesting character. Uh, probably one of the greatest uh, villains in history if you if you were to add up the death toll from the famines that you could well and truly argue that he caused uh, by mixing politics and agronomy. But, um, yeah, so let me know what you think and uh, have a good weekend. And until next time, keep at it.